Hey, you guys, this is Lisa Clark and Chrissy and I are so thankful that you've joined us today for the Wonder Podcast. We are beyond thrilled to be launching a new book series today on the book of First Peter. And so we think it is so appropriate for 2021. We could all use some encouragement today and this year. And so that's what this book is about. It's encouraging the believer. So we are thankful that you joined us. You personally are an encouragement to us by listening to the podcast and by sharing it with your friends and family. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And as always, we appreciate so much your willingness to tune in and to listen to the podcast. And we pray you are encouraged every time you listen. So thank you for joining us. God bless you and enjoy this episode of the Wonder Podcast. Welcome to the Wonder Podcast. My name is Christy Dunham. I'm here with my ministry partner, Lisa Clark. Lisa, how are you this beautiful day in Dallas? It's a beautiful day today. I actually went and bought some new flower pots. You know, we painted our house. And so my flower pots don't really match anymore, really. And I kind of needed new ones. I I forget how expensive that kind of thing is. That's why Pretty doesn't have very many. (laughs) I was just like, whoa, okay. We might need to take some pottery lessons and start making our own. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. And I don't even think I like what I bought. And so now I'm like, I've got to just take all that back and start over. You know, I don't know. I just had a vision for what I wanted now and I got it here. And now I'm just kind of like, I don't know if I like this. So we'll see what I end up with. But that's kind of what I've been up to. It's a beautiful day. Awesome. That's great. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. No new news to report. Just going to ball games. And it's that time of year where we're on three different fields on a Saturday. And it's just so fun. But do they let you cheer really loud? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's obnoxious. That's the best part. You embarrass right, them. Right. But they love it deep down. I know they do. So Lisa, today we're going to continue our study of First Peter. We're going to go through chapter four today. So why don't you kick us off with our traditional in a nutshell? All right, here we go. Chapter four teaches us that since Jesus suffered, we must be prepared to suffer. We've had plenty of time to sin. It's time to stop and live for God. The end is near, so do what is right toward others so that God will be praised. We will suffer for doing what is right. When we do, we should commit our lives to God and keep on doing what is right. So last week, the S word was submission. Well, today the S word is suffering. So we're talking a a little bit about uh, something different today, and that's suffering as a believer in Jesus Christ. And I think, you know, for the audience that he was preaching to at that time, it looked a lot different than what we're, we go through. Oh that, didn't it, Chrissy? it doesn't even compare. No, doesn't even compare. We are very blessed. Yes, we are. You want me to kick us off or do you want to read that? Go ahead. Okay. Let me read verses one through six. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentile. When we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. 
In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. So this is an interesting clump of scripture here, because as we just heard in the nutshell, what Peter is saying there is your life should look different now. (laughs) You you know, you've done all that. You've done all that. Now people kind of get caught up in, well, I'm a Christian, but I still sin. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, as long as you're covered in skin, you will still sin. But it's a different thing now. As a believer, as a new creation, we're not living for those things anymore. Those things are going to pop up and crop up. They are. Things come around our life. But that's not what we're living for anymore. As believers in Jesus Christ, we live for him and our life should look different. That's what that scripture meant to me and what I got out of it. What about you? The biggest verse for me in this section was verse two, that it says in order to live the remaining time. So in other words, you know, at the end of chapter three, we talked about there's an an urgency, an urgency to tell people about the Lord. So in order to live the remaining time. So in other words, time is fleeting in the flesh no longer for human desires, but for God's will. And we touched on this a little bit when we were in chapter three, but it's very important to grow in your relationship. Back in my twenties, I am not, I do not live today like I did in my twenties, right. grace the Lord, right. or my thirties or forties. When I got into my fifties, I kind of settled in to what I would say is a more mature Christian. And that comes with life experiences. It comes with this suffering that he's talking about, you know, that you experience things and you're like, oh, I don't want to experience that again. You know, you suffer these things in the flesh and the Lord takes us through those journeys and through those peaks and valleys to draw us closer to him. So when I look back, I like to call it my spiritual lifeline. I look at all the things that have happened in my life, these big occurrences and say that changed my life and brought me closer to the Lord. The death of my parents, the Charlie losing a job a couple of times, things like that, that were big life experiences that I had nowhere to turn, but to the Lord. Yes, I could talk to my friends and yes, I could talk to my pastor and all of that, but the Lord wanted my attention. He wanted me to focus on him. He wanted Charlie to focus on him. And he does that. So we'll grow closer and closer to him. So those sufferings, even though we hate them, we don't want our kids to go through them. You do actually need to pray for them because they bring you closer to the Lord. It matures you. It grows you. And at the age I am now, I have no human desire except just the natural things that happen because we're sinful beings, right? Right. And we're going to. We're going to, those are going to be there, but I have more of a desire for God's will. I have more of a desire to do what he wants me to do. I try to wake up every morning with my hands wide open saying, this is your day. I have written down some things that I would like to accomplish, but I want you to override them. If there's something that you have, that's more important. I want to live for you. I want to get done what you want me to get done. Now, I don't do that every day. I try, but I am human and I, I fall and there's days I don't, but that's the desire of my heart. 
And that's what I loved about that first section is that time is, especially now that I'm older, time is going so fast. You know, here we are. April is almost over when we're recording this. I swear I was just planning Easter a week ago. It's just everything's so fast and furious and there is an urgency. So I'm thankful for those days of suffering. I'm thankful that I've grown enough to know that I want to live in God's will. So I agree. And I know for you and I, I know in in college, before we continue on in college, I made a defining decision. There was a defining moment in my life, my sophomore year of college, the fall of my sophomore year. And where I did not audibly hear the voice of the Lord, but I heard the voice of the Lord, if you know what I mean. And he was right. telling me, this is not who you are. This That's is right. not who you are. And um, from that moment on, I have strived to walk with the Lord and be obedient to him. Definitely fell flat a lot of times, but there, yes. there was a moment in my life where he reminded me, this is not who you are. Well, that verse four where it says, in regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Did you experience that when you made a U-turn in your life? I did. Absolutely. Yeah, I did. And it was, you know, the college people that I was typically running around with. And I, the time I wasn't strong enough in my faith to be able to say, this is who I am. And, you know, let me tell you about Jesus. Mm-hmm. It was just, I was just treading water, trying to go against the tide and survive during those times until I was strong enough to stand on my own two feet. And so it's a real thing. And Peter knew it was, and he knew that they were struggling with this. And he was saying, look, they're going to be held accountable. You're going to be held accountable. So you get put those things aside. That's not who you are anymore. Let's start living for God so that you can right. you know, bring glory to him. And depending on who you are in your circumstances, going back to those college years, that was one of my defining moments. Also, I had one in high school and one in college. I was a sophomore and the Lord, I heard him not again, not audibly. I just knew this is what I needed to do because I was so weak because I had to pick up and go walk on different sidewalks. So I moved schools. I changed everything because I knew if I stayed there, I was too weak to stand up for what I needed to and all of that. And everything just fell into place. But I'm telling you, there are hard decisions during those days where you may have to totally change frame groups. You may have to change schools. You may have to do some hard things that you just think you can't do. But I promise you, the gift is at the end and you're a much better person because of it. Amen. So that's that. Verse seven, the end of all things is near. There's that urgency message again. Therefore. Be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. That little paragraph is power packed Mm -hmm. with so many verses and things that I've grown up on that I've heard said over and over. Yeah. 
And if we just break it down quickly, the end of all things is near. That's his opening line. Excuse me, but time is coming to a close. Yeah. And it's time to get busy. Quit just sitting around and do some things that bring honor and glory to God. Therefore, so in other words, because the time is short, I'm asking you to be alert and sober minded for what? Prayer. And prayer is the conversation that you have with the Lord. Lisa knows this. I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast, but during Lent, I followed Nikki Koziar and she asked us to, instead of giving something up, commit to doing something you've never done before that's really hard for you. Now, as a seasoned believer, as a minister to women, all the things that I have on my resume that hang on my wall, prayer was my weakest link. I would pray and I would pray, but it wasn't a real prayer like I think you're supposed to pray. So I committed that for that 40 days, I was going to pray for 30 minutes a day. Now, for many of you prayer warriors, you're like, oh my gosh, is this a joke? Okay. Well, (laughs) I mean, I'm just admitting my false, my things that I'm not good at. And so I promised the Lord I'd pray for 30 minutes. The first time I did it, I sat there in tears and I'm not an emotional person. And I started thinking, what in the, what in the heck am I going to pray for for 30 minutes? Well, for some strange reason, I went way over 30 minutes because my mind just kept clicking. And it's just like having a conversation with you. You would say something and that would bring up another point. Or as yeah. I was sitting there, I would read another scripture and that would bring up something else. Or through my tears, I would think of something else. And before I knew it, time was up. And she had given us these papers to fill out, to write down your experience and all of that. And then it said, find someone that will pray beside you to help you with your, whatever it is you're trying to do. I immediately contacted you and said, will you pray for me that I can do this? That exercise, and I told my Monday night Bible study girls, has changed me, has changed my prayer life. I do work for my daughter. I stand there and ship things. It's kind of mindless. There are conversations going on. There's music being played. You know, there's all kinds of stuff going on. But now I literally pray off and on all day long Mm. just for different things. There are so many things going on. And I think there's so many things going on because we are in those end times. This statement that the end of all things is near. I believe that with all my heart. And so as I read more and I, there's just more things to pray about. And my goodness, I know you and I are in a lot of the same text threads. You get something almost every day about something. Right. And I pray for my kids and their marriages and all these things and my grandkids. And by the time you get through that and your friends and the needs and 30 minutes is nothing anymore. It's nothing. And now when I wake up, it's the first thing that hits my mind is I want to have my prayer time. I want to have that sober mind for prayer. So I'm thankful that the Lord took me through that. And as I read this, that's what it reminded me of. Now also tucked in here is our spiritual gifts. It talks about that everyone has received a gift. Yeah, We've all received a gift. And if you don't know what your gift is, I would encourage you to go online and find a spiritual gifts test. Your church may have one. There's one out there by Pastor Gene Wilkes when he did a leadership booklet. And that is one of my favorites to fill out. 
it's just like a hundred questions and you just answer it. The first thing that comes to your mind and at the end, you'll total it all up and it'll show you what your spiritual gifts are. Mine have remained the same throughout all my years. And I love that. And I try to use those gifts to the best of my ability. I try to use them every day. So figure out what your gifts are because that the Lord has shaped you in a way to use those to serve his people. And you'll see God's power in those gifts. One of mine is teaching. I still have the opportunity to teach. One of mine is exhortation, which means encouraging people. And I I love to do that. I love to be around people. So figure out what your gifts are and put them to use because the end of things are near. So that's what I got out of that small little paragraph. Yeah, that's so good. And you know, the scripture. So yeah, watchful in your prayers, but he says, and above all things have fervent love for one another for love will cover a multitude of sins. He's talking here about, you know, serving within the church and being hospitable and using your gifts and all the things that we do, which you just discussed, Chrissy, but within that simultaneously, a lot of forgiveness has to happen. Yes. <laughs> and yes. we get so caught up in the little things that happen. Like she doesn't, she didn't say hi to me or he took my parking place or I didn't get asked to be on that committee or they're friends with her and, and they're not fr- all of the things, right? All yes. of the things. And he's just saying, let, let love cover all of that. Because if you, if you truly have love for one another, you're not going to be easily offended. You're going to understand that people make mistakes, that people do things for their, for themselves, that people don't realize they're hurting you half the time when you're hurt, just show love and let that same love of Christ come back to you and cover you. Don't be so easily offended for be forgiving, show grace, that same grace and forgiveness that was offered you, you've been covered in that. Well, we need to now give that out. We are now, we've been a recipient of that. And now we need to be giving it out and not holding people to such high expectations and not allowing them any room to make a mistake. And I think the church is just so, uh, we really fall short on this sometimes because I don't know if it's, we're holding each other to a higher standard or what it is, but we've got to remember, yeah, we're all on the same road to eternity with Christ, but we're, we're at different places on the road. And so you might not be as far along or you might be further along. Well, there's always someone ahead of you that you can aspire to and people that are spurring you on, but there's people that are looking at you too. And so if we can just err on the side of love in these situations and not on what they tweeted that we felt like was not theologically sound or whatever, let's just quit the bickering and the arguing and the being so easily offended. And let's just focus on the love of Christ and how the scripture says it covers a multitude of sins. I don't think we were ever meant to get caught up in all of this minutia to where it divides us. It makes that more important than the gospel. I never, agree. never were and that, I think, yeah, I think that's part of the enemy's ploy. Of course. You know, that's, that's why we have to be sober minded and keep our eyes on Christ because the enemy will slip in. He's just waiting to slip in just and waiting. he causes that. Yes. Just waiting. Just, yes. Okay. Kill, still and destroy. That's what he wants to do. That's right. 
and he wants to start in the church. Okay. Let's finish up this chapter. Verse 12, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For this time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. So we can't fear suffering. And I know for us being in America, and I know not everyone who listens to the Wonder Podcast is in the US. We have an audience that is vast, actually, which that's we're so thankful for that, not just from people from the US. But we've pretty much been handed life in the gospel on a silver platter. And so we don't understand suffering like other parts of the world do. And so I think one that needs to be on the forefront of us for this, for this, um, the prayer that we, we discussed already, that we really need to be praying for those who are actually giving their lives right now for the gospel. And the church has been giving their life for the gospel from the very beginning. Okay. That's how the gospel came to be. A life was given. And now 2000 years later, there are still those who proclaim the name of Jesus and are being martyred for their faith and their belief in Christ. And the scripture says, for the glory of God. Yeah. And so we don't want to fear that. But I thought it was interesting, the word Christian here in verse 16, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, that's the third and last time the word Christian is used in the Bible. And what they're saying here is the word Christian, it means a sufferer. Interesting. It, it means a sufferer. And so we signed up for this. So I guess the question that posed that I was posed as I read this and that I started thinking about was, am I fleeing suffering or am I looking for it? If I'm not suffering, is there an issue? What's my part in this? And we can't do anything with where we live in our situation. But I think if I were to be just a little more bold and a little less concerned with cancel culture and a little less concerned with being offensive and a little less concerned with maybe being called the Jesus freak or um, maybe ostracized from this group or whatever. And you know what I'm talking about, that this is just the concerns we have in our life. I might start to have some modern 2021 U.S. suffering, whatever that might look like, maybe becoming an outcast or not having as many friends, all of those things. Although most of my friends are believers, but that's not necessarily true everywhere in my life. And so anyway, I just had to ask myself, Lisa, what's your part in this? Uh, Is your part just to pray for the, for the persecuted church? 
because this probably won't be anything in your lifetime. It's not to say that this isn't going to happen to your generations after you, that your loved ones and your family members, we don't know what is to come, but we do know it's for the, for the glory of God and that he is with them and that we have an account of his presence with us. So anyway, it's just kind of an interesting thing to think about. Yes. I, um, years ago had a young woman in my office that asked me the question, why is it that some people suffer different things all the time? Their life seems to be just a whole story of suffering and others face very little suffering. Right. And good question. It's a, it's a great question, which I have no answer. Right. Um, that is the life that the Lord has given you some of the stuff that have led to consequences and that causes suffering, which we yeah. said earlier, that brings you closer to the Lord. So it's, and hopefully you've learned and you won't do that again, right? Because repenting right. is turning your back never to return right. and then you move on. But this particular woman, and I'll never forget her, her, her life was just a constant story of suffering. And many of the things were not her choices. They were her parents' choices or, Mm. you know, this jobs and different things. Yeah. And when she left, I thought, oh my gosh, Lord, I don't know that I have suffered. Yeah. I mean, you know, tears over a a fight in your marriage or tears over a child that won't behave or, you know, I call that suffering and it just, it's always stuck with me. So I, I think that's just something you have to take up with the Lord and, talk to him about it because he's the one that has the answer for that. But we are all going to suffer, like you said. And that's what this verse is saying. I love First Peter. It looks like we have one more chapter to go together and with our listeners. May God bless everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. We truly appreciate it. If you like what you heard and were encouraged, please go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Because your recommendation for our podcast brings us great joy and it helps others find out about us. And if you are able to help support our podcast ministry, we would absolutely love that. You can go to chrissydunham.org and click the link to the party table. No donation is too small. We are so thankful for you. God bless.